It's Friday, June the 26th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, too much bigger in Texas, and Wirecard files for insolvency. First, the world in brief. Texas halted its reopening abruptly due to a surge in COVID-19 cases. The number of people hospitalised there has more than doubled since early June. Houston declared its emergency infrastructure overwhelmed. Texas is one of the 29 states in which the rate of new infections has been rising. On Wednesday, America reported its highest one-day total, 37,667 new cases since April. The Federal Reserve temporarily banned big American banks from buying back their shares and told them to cap dividend payments in the third quarter of the year. The restriction follows the Fed's annual stress tests, which assess banks' resilience to economic downturns. Those determined that the pandemic has pushed several banks perilously close to the minimum level of required capital. New applications for unemployment benefits in America dipped slightly to 1.48 million last week. Although it was the 12th consecutive week of falling new claims, the figure was higher than economists had forecast and is well above the highest level ever recorded before the coronavirus struck. Wirecard, a German fintech firm mired in scandal after 1.9 billion euros, 2.1 billion dollars went missing from its balance sheet, announced that it will file for insolvency. The company, which was valued at 13 billion euros last week, saw 90% of the value of its shares wiped out before trading was suspended. The firm's board has said the missing money may not exist. Bayer settled a number of lawsuits over Roundup, a weed killer sold by the German chemicals giant for more than $10 billion. The plaintiffs allege that glyphosate, a chemical in Roundup, causes cancer. Bayer maintains that glyphosate is not carcinogenic. The settlement will bring to an end three quarters of current litigation pending against Bayer over Roundup. Masayoshi-san, SoftBank's boss, stepped down from the board of Alibaba, a Chinese e-commerce giant. Mr. Son had been on the board since 2005 and said he was leaving of his own volition. His departure was timed to align with the resignation of Jack Ma, who founded Alibaba from SoftBank's board, which also formally took place the same day. Keir Starmer, the leader of Britain's Labour Party, sacked his education spokeswoman Rebecca Long-Bailey after she praised an article containing an allegedly anti-Semitic remark. Labour was widely accused of tolerating anti-Semitism within its ranks under Jeremy Corbyn, its previous leader. The article by a left-wing British actor suggested Israeli secret services taught American police the chokehold that killed George Floyd. Two editor's notes. First, tough subjects the UN Security Council meets, which ran on June 24th, implied that the UN Security Council held a physical meeting, including its five newly elected non-permanent members. To clarify, the meeting was a virtual one, and the new members do not begin their term until January 1st. And second, the end of an outbreak, Ebola in eastern Congo, which ran on June 25th, said the WHO is expected to declare an end to the Ebola outbreak in the eastern provinces of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, when in fact it was expected to be the country's government. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Unhappy birthday. The United Nations at 75. 75 years ago today, in San Francisco, 50 countries signed the founding charter of the UN. Unlike its precursor, the League of Nations, which proved short-lived and failed to prevent a Second World War, the UN has endured. There has been no Third World War. 
The organization has grown to 193 members and expanded into peacekeeping and humanitarian relief. Its bureaucracy has expanded too, maddeningly so. Its age is showing. The five veto-holding permanent members of its Security Council reflect the power balance of 1945. Rivalry between America and the authoritarian duo of Russia and China means that the council is often in stalemate, unable to even muster a response to COVID-19. Yet the pandemic is an example, along with climate change, cybersecurity and nuclear proliferation, of the sort of global threat that cries out for international collaboration. The world is in no mood for a big party for the UN, but it is still worth pausing to remember its purpose. After the fall, Wirecard's woes. Yesterday, the German fintech firm said it would file for insolvency. Wirecard has been mired in scandal since last week, when its auditors reported that some 1.9 billion euros, 2.1 billion dollars, was missing from its balance sheet. Much is still unexplained about how Germany's biggest corporate financial fraud could have gone undetected for so many years. But one point seems clear. BaFin, the German financial regulator, failed in its job as a supervisor of the payment processing firm. After initially defending BaFin, Olaf Scholz, the finance minister who oversees it, now says that rules need to be reconsidered. Wirecard was treated as a tech firm rather than a financial services provider, which means that BaFin was only directly regulating its banking subsidiary, Wirecard Bank. The holding company, part of the DAX index of Germany's most valuable listed firms, was supervised by the Upper Bavarian District Government, a local authority woefully ill-equipped to oversee a multinational giant. Back in the dock, Samsung's boss. Today, a committee convened by South Korean prosecutors will make a non-binding recommendation on whether Lee Jae-yong should face trial on allegations including accounting fraud and market manipulation. A trial would add to the legal woes of Samsung's boss, who also faces a retrial on bribery charges for which he has spent time in prison. The new allegations relate to a merger in 2015 that cemented his control over Samsung. Mr Lee denies wrongdoing in both cases. Three of the firm's executives are behind bars for hiding or destroying evidence connected to an investigation into the merger's terms. If convicted, Mr Lee is likely to join them again. Such troubles cast a shadow over Samsung's performance during the pandemic, which has been decent, and its attempts to play up its contribution to the fight against the virus. COVID-19 may be the main worry for many companies, but not for South Korea's biggest conglomerate. Setting the tone. Poland's presidential election. Polls go to the polls on Sunday after a presidential election in May was delayed because of the coronavirus. Andrzej Duda, the incumbent backed by the ruling right-wing Law and Justice Party, is seeking another five-year term. He faces five main rivals, from the centre-left to the nationalist far-right. Mr Duda leads in opinion polls. In recent weeks, he has appealed to socially conservative voters with homophobic language, championing the traditional family. He faces a mounting challenge from Rafał Czarskowski, Warsaw's Liberal mayor who hails from the centrist civic platform, Donald Tusk's old party. If, as surveys suggest, Neva gets over 50% of the vote, there will be a runoff on July 12th. Polls put them neck and neck in that contest. In Poland, the presidency is a mostly ceremonial position, with the powers of veto laws. But the election result may symbolise whether Poland is becoming a more open society or a more closed one. Blinkers on. ASEAN assembles. 
Leaders of the 10 countries comprising the Association of Southeast Asian Nations will fire up their webcams today for one of the bloc's biannual summits. Top of the to-do list will be economic recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. The Asian Development Bank reckons that GDP growth in the region will drop from 4.4% in 2019 to 2.7% this year. ASEAN will reiterate its commitment to ensuring the free flow of goods and capital throughout the region, discussing the reopening of borders, and start a fund to help member states ailing from the pandemic. By contrast, assistance will not be forthcoming for the Rohingyas, a persecuted ethnic minority from Myanmar. Hundreds have taken to desperately rickety boats recently in a bid to get to Malaysia and Indonesia. Many have died at sea. But bound by its pledge not to interfere in the domestic matters of member states, ASEAN will probably ignore their suffering. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nora Ephron, who died on this day in 2012. Above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.